Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Just absolutely stick to my stomach after watching the Bills lose last night. Hey, welcome to the show. Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff. If you're watching on YouTube, I've got my Bills shirt on with a big red X through it. That's how I'm feeling mm. about the team. But Perloff... It's not how I'm feeling about Josh Allen, and I know he turned the ball over last night. Not all of it was his fault, but he's the future of the. He's the present and future of the franchise. Yeah. To me, the coaching staff has hit the ceiling here. It was bad penalties last night. The most egregious was a 12 men on the field penalty that came as Will Lutz, the kicker for Denver was in the midst of missing a 41-yard field goal that would have handed Buffalo the game that maybe they didn't deserve to win, but would have given them the game. And they had 12 men on the field. It was the second penalty on that Denver game-winning drive. And it was sickening to watch the Bills again play down to their competition. Yeah, that was bad. I was watching it. I was thinking, man, this must not be very much fun for Maggie. (laughs) It wasn't. Which uh, which hurt more, the turnovers, the play at the end, the whole thing? Yes, 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 yes. The fact that they are probably not going to make the playoffs this year, which is wild for a team that did have Super Bowl expectations, a team that does have an elite quarterback. Yes, I still think Josh Allen is elite. I think turnover problems can be fixed. It's just who's going to be the right person or people to fix it because they don't have those people in place right now. I saw an interesting tweet last night from Tim Graham, longtime Bills reporter, been a guest on the show. He said the stadium felt dead when he walked into it last night, that the Bills fans have already resigned themselves. Does that sound – and honestly, I I relate because I feel like you've been sounding that way most of the year. Listen, you can tell when the vibes are off. You can tell when the offense is off. Like, you can see the amount of injuries they've had on the defense and wondering how are they even duct-taping and fishing line this thing together Um, because this those defensive injuries would sink any team. And I guess it's a credit that they're hanging around, but they should be much better on offense to compensate – for how decimated the defense is. And the offense can't do that because they keep giving the ball to the other team. But, I mean, a lot of the guys, tell me the guys who got hurt, aren't all of them super injury-prone to start with? Well, Tredavious White, Matt White Milano, was coming off Daquan of, Jones, I could go on and on. So, yeah, but White was missed most of a year and a half, right? Yeah. Because it, so you can't expect guys like that to be healthy. Well, I, he, I think they could have built more depth into this roster. Okay, no Micah Hyde last night. I mean, yes. How many times have those guys been on the field all together? Okay, well, the, this is the thing, though. It's like, it's it's a fine line between 
like having the veteran presence that you want on a defense that actually can get you over the hump. Like Jordan Poyer. And like having to rely on too many young guys. I think the Bills are actually a pretty good mix. It's showing now that they're all getting hurt at the same time. But, I mean, the the pass rush, these guys are young. Ed Oliver, A.J. Epinesa. I mean, these dudes are young and they're prime guys. And the pass rush looked great last night. Yeah, Leonard Floyd was a good good signing. I don't know if he was the guy who was the 12th man on the field or it might have been DeMar Hamlin. We're not sure. The Niners and the Eagles would have traded for four DBs in this in this time span. I feel like the Bills have sit tight. They knew they were vulnerable in some spots. They traded for Rasul Douglas. They probably yeah. overpaid, and he came up with a big fumble yeah, recovery good. last night. But did they? They came into the year. They they were counting on these older defensive players a little too much, in my opinion. Well, okay, and we can also say too, that now. That being but... said, they they didn't lose last night because of defense. Russell Wilson right. was they did not. was all. Did not have a lot of time to throw the ball last night. They kept them to four and a half yards per play. They should have won that game. It's sloppiness. It's sloppy. It's and that goes to the coaching. Yep. And it's not executing the fundamentals. A handoff between Josh Allen and James Cook. This should be a no-brainer. Taking your eye off the ball, thinking you've got it in the bag, whatever the reason is that they have these offensive miscues. And then I think that I thought it was a terrible decision. When James Cook, who does not fumble the ball a lot, okay? This is not a guy who is this perennial fumbler. I don't know what he's like in practice during the week. Who knows? But I thought it was weird that he fumbles the ball, and it led to, yes, a Denver Broncos field goal. It gave him an early 3 nothing lead, and we didn't see James Cook for the next three series. He sat out for like 16 offensive plays in a game where you the time of possession was against you and you ran like 20 fewer plays than the Broncos yeah. because you kept handing the ball. But don't make that point in the game. When he's averaging four and a half yards a carry, make that point at practice the next day or whatever. Don't do that in the middle of the game. Hold this guy accountable. Like, what are we doing here? You need him to win. Yeah, but I thought that inspired him. It was the best I've ever seen him run in his entire career. How about this? You're a professional athlete. Just You think that bulletin board material is like offensive to players because they should just be inspired already because it's their job. Also, that instinct to sit him because he had a, a case of fumbleitis was dead on because he fumbled twice more the rest <laughs> of the game. And they didn't sit him after he fumbled and then recovered his own fumble. Like, yeah. it's not being evenly applied here. Well, I, they, they, made, they know, sent their message. Uh, whatever. The message sent is that you don't trust this guy. He's got one touchdown on the whole season. You never reward him in the red zone. You don't think guys think about that? Meanwhile, like rookie Dalton Kikade is getting everything? I, or Gabe Davis s- with the ball through his hands again? Would you stop talking about vibes and feelings here? Let's get a little cold-hearted analytical here. Try not turning the ball over four times. Well, that's the obvious thing, but there's more simmering under the surface here, and it's coaching, and it's... This team has never been as good as it was in that 13 seconds game. And they lost it. And sometimes teams maybe don't get over that kind of stuff. And then a whole bunch of things have happened since then that have not made it easy as well. But that's just part of it. So that's 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 my bills. How are you guys doing? 855-212-4CBS. Uh, we're excited now to welcome in a guest because we've had a lot of questions about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we wanted to go to an expert, and that is Andrew Filipponi. Of course, he's on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, does a fantastic job. And, Andrew, you're the guy we go to for all things Pittsburgh. Here's a question for you, and thanks for joining us. Steelers have a negative point differential, have been outgained in every game they've played in, yet they're 6-3 and three and they're in second place in the vaunted AFC North. 
Is this a team that's overachieving or underachieving? I can't tell. Well, I think it's underachieving in this way, guys. They used a first-round pick on a quarterback, Kenny Pickett, and this is year two for him. And he has six touchdowns and four interceptions. Mm. And so we've seen the pattern in the NFL. When you have a really good second-year quarterback, this is a player who propels and elevates his team, whether that's Joe Burrow year two, Lamar Jackson year two, uh, Trevor Lawrence year two. Patrick Mahomes year two. I mean, the list goes on and on in the last decade of the NFL. This is when it's supposed to click for a young quarterback. And this is when you see that great advantage of having an upper echelon quarterback on a rookie contract, which allows you to build that great team around him. And really because we've not seen Kenny Pickett make that jump. They're not playing with a backup quarterback. They're not playing with a journeyman. Uh, and that way, Maggie, I think they've actually underachieved. But you wouldn't know that from watching and listening to the national football media who think they should basically build a statue of Mike uh -huh. Tomlin in every NFL city. Wait, Andrew, I have a question. What happened to preseason Kenny Pickett? I picked the Steelers to win the Super Bowl because I saw him chucking it all over the field looking like Dan Marino. Uh, I picked him to go to the Super Bowl, Perloff, so I'm actually excited that I've now encountered a human that had higher expectations for the Steelers team than I did. So thank you for that. Uh, I'm never putting any stock in the preseason ever again because I was hoodwinked. I was tricked. I was bamboozled by it as well. I have called him Joe Burrow 2.0. I thought he was going to be that type of quarterback where he didn't have the physical talents of Maggie's guy, Josh Allen, but was going to be able to accurately dissect you and pick you apart and yeah, we've not seen anywhere close to that guy through the first half of the season. So the preseason, I'm turning my TV off in August from now on. <laughs> yeah, you guys beat the Bills in that preseason, and everyone well, thought, Well, that actually oh. turned out to be a harbinger of things to come, Maggie, <laughs> yeah. because the Bills didn't look right in that game, and we've seen carryover. Exactly. As Andrew Filipponi is joining us, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Okay, you, you hit on something there about Tomlin, because that's been a polarizing topic on this show, and I'm sure a lot of others, which is, you know, really what are the fans and the people who are really watching Pittsburgh every snap, every down, how do they feel about Tomlin? Because on the outside, you see the winning record, the fact that this team never bottoms out. Then yeah. you look, they haven't made the playoffs in a long time. How much criticism, if any, if any, does Tomlin deserve? I think a lot. Um, you know, if you just take what he's done this season in a vacuum, which is have them at six and three, and there's only three teams in football, with fewer losses, the Eagles and Chiefs and Lions. I think independent of everything else, you could say he's doing a pretty good job with this team, even though he had a huge say in Kenny Pickett getting drafted. And really the fate of the franchise lies with the quarterback and we're not seeing development there. So that is frustrating and that is a major issue for this team moving forward. So there's that. But overall, if you extend beyond the season, it's the whole scope of things. This would be, if they don't win a playoff game this year, that's going to be seven years in a row for this guy. If you look at the modern history of the NFL, you go back to the Super Bowl era when it started, when the merger happened. Co coaches with one team who had droughts that extended that long to seven years, you can count them on one hand. Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati, Jim Mora in New Orleans, actually Don Shula before Marino yeah. showed up in Miami had a really long drought. And that's really it, guys. I mean, we're in uncharted territory. I get upset because a lot of the feedback I get from people outside of Pittsburgh on this is, well, you guys are just spoiled. You guys, you, your expectations are too high. 
every team in the division has won a playoff game more recently than this team. The Titans won a playoff game more recently than Mike Malarkey. Bill O'Brien has won playoff games in the NFL more recently than the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. So I don't think that's a case of we've got six Lombardi trophies and we set the bar too high. Win a darn playoff game. And hey, they're in position to make the playoffs right now. But come on, do people realistically think this team is built to win in January? I still don't think so. But Andrew, your quarterback got old. I mean, look at the Patriots after Tom Brady. It it does happen. The franchises have to rebuild. I think this is one of those franchises that kept around 500 that fooled themselves into thinking they weren't rebuilding. And I will say one thing. If they had just gotten the right quarterback, they this is a great team around Kenny Pickett. Am I wrong about that? They've hit on a lot of draft picks. Well, they hit on this draft. Broderick Jones has gone into the lineup, the right tackle from Georgia, yeah. and they've run for almost 400 yards combined the last two games. And that's a huge improvement because their line stunk at the start of the year. Joey Porter Jr. legacy has been pretty good. They've got a defensive tackle they picked late in the second round, Benton, who has been pretty good as well. Uh, so this draft, yeah. But, I mean, last few drafts, Andrew, I mean, they picked Devin Bush with the 10th pick. That they was drafted a- what year was Najee, that? What year was that? That was 2018. They drafted Najee Harris yeah. with the 24th pick. They're the good draft. in the second and third round. What about George Pickens? What about uh, okay. Connor Award? How, how about Chase Claypool in the second round? Now, great job to trade him, <laughs> selling your losses. But still, I mean. Alex Highsmith in the third round? Good pick. I mean, have they built a great team around Kenny Pickett? I think it's good. I think you've got T.J. Watt, who's probably the best defensive player in the league. Mika Fitzpatrick, you've got, you, you're right about Highsmith. Their line has gotten better, but come on. You're going to put their skill position players against the vast majority of NFL teams. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. You like, I mean, it's not a bad group, but it's not a group that I would expect to score 28 points a game, Andrew. It's not bad. Andrew Filipponi joining us, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh for the real deal on what's going on with those Steelers. Last one for you, Andrew, and thanks for getting up with us. Um, Matt Canada. So this one has gotten out to the national media about how displeased everyone is with Canada. You mentioned Kenny Pickett hasn't developed. Canada's the offensive coordinator, so it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, he seems like he's maybe quieted people down a little bit, but... You know, is that ultimately who's going to become the scapegoat here? And do you blame Tomlin for the fact that Canada is still empowered to run this offense? Yeah. I mean, there no other head coach in the NFL would have ever hired him to be an offensive coordinator. It's a, it's a personal relationship thing. Tomlin got to know him at Pitt when they worked next door from one another, when they were neighbors. He also, when he was the interim head coach at Maryland, he recruited Tomlin's son there and gave him a scholarship. So there's that personal connection. And people say, well, why, why, why does that matter? Uh, find me another NFL head coach who would have hired someone to eventually be his offensive coordinator who, other than one year at Pitt, has a very mediocre college coordinating resume. He lasted one year at LSU, and then they won the national championship right after that. Go figure. Um, no, but the, have things calmed down? Yes, because after 50-plus games of doing this, Maggie <laughs> – they moved him out of the box to the sideline yep. and he's turned into Bill Walsh all of a sudden. I mean, <laughs> it's been, it's been, an, it's been an incredible transformation. I said, they've run the ball like crazy. It hasn't trickled down to the quarterback, but everything else in their offense seems to be clicking right now. I do to your original question though. We know the head coach isn't going anywhere. 
we know that they'll stick with Kenny Pickett for a third year, even if he continues to play this way. So, yeah, they won't renew Matt Canada's contract, and they'll find somebody else to run the offense next year, even if they do squeak in the playoffs and win nine or ten games. I'm convinced of that. A real quick, Andrew, prediction. Who makes the playoffs in the AFC North and who doesn't? Well, look, the Browns, I think, have the softest schedule. So even though I think the Steelers will go in there this week and win, if you look at their remaining games, I mean, they really have to trip and, and stumble all over themselves to not make it. So I want to say they will, even though it pains me to say that, and I know the Browns are the Browns. Uh, I think the Ravens will get in, and I think the Steelers will. I think the Bengals will actually be the odd team out um, because of their schedule. I think that loss to Houston last week is going to come back to bite them at some point. So I believe they're the best team in the division, actually, pound for pound. I would pick them. Like, if everybody made it, I would give them the best chance of making it back to the Super Bowl. But I think just the way things set up over the second half of the season, I would pick them, actually, among the four teams to not make it. Andrew Filipponi giving us some great stuff here. The perspective, boots on the ground in Pittsburgh with what's going on with this 6-3 and team. Andrew, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Love love listening to you on 93.7 The Fan. Always a must-listen. Thank you. He and I were right. I also said the Steelers were not going to make it out of the AFC North. Just because, again, Brown's schedule, like Andrew said, and also... Oh, no, he's saying the Steelers will make it into the playoffs. They will make it. He said Steelers yeah. are in. Right, right. Well, he oh. said best team pound for pound, right? But that he won't, that they won't make it in. Right, the, the Bengals the, won't, will, won't make it, but if they made it, they had the best chance of getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I kind of think that makes sense. Isn't it weird that the, the Bengals can be this good and not make the playoffs? It'd be wild. Well, but we're seeing that with some teams that are good that are going to be on the outside looking in. That's what we always predicted about the AFC this season. You're, it's stacked. There's a lot of good teams. Maybe we didn't think Houston was going to be in the mix, but here they are. And you're going to have teams who are going to win nine and ten games who might not make it. It's funny, too. The way he talked about Kenny Pickett, he could have been talking about Tommy DeVito. I mean, he is <laughs> way down on go. that guy. Low on Pickett. Yeah, and I actually, I watch it. Pickett's not great, but is he that bad? I guess they, I think that's a matter of expectations. I think everyone thought he was going to be good this year. They He didn't throw the ball at all against Green Bay. They just handed the ball off. And they ran for 210 yards yeah. or something. So... I don't know. That was harsh. That was depressing if I'm a Steelers fan. I am definitely not feeling Super Bowl now. Okay, well, but maybe a little glimmer of hope if they change offensive coordinators next year, which he expects they're going to do. Maybe he doesn't get the big jump year two. Kenny Pickett maybe gets it year three. I don't. The way Andrew was talking about Kenny Pickett, I didn't get the sense that he saw it with him. Maybe not. But, you know, we have seen guys be a little bit more later bloomers. Yeah. I mean. Gino. We, <laughs> Jared we, Goff. We all know the know. issue with Kenny Pickett. Let's not. Beat around the bush. It's not the hands. Tiny hands. Can't you can't overcome that. I don't oh care gosh. if uh, Eric Bieniemy is your offense coordinator. It's going to be tough. We've You're got, all in on the Kenny Pickett. I'm all now in on Now I'm Malik all in Lowe. on Pickett. Uh, this way, is I, my guy because yeah. I think that he has been wronged by people like Perloff yeah. and others in the national media who are focusing in on the size of his hands. It's silly. It's wrong. I can't wait until this guy just walks right into Canton. Are we even shaking hands <laughs> these days? Fist bump? That doesn't do anything. His tiny little fist. Now he's going to walk into Canton as a ticket holder to the Hall of Fame. Oh, come on. There was like five takes in that. I know, <laughs> Manny, way to bring up old stuff. Jeez. <laughs> 855-2124-CBS. Coming up, we have the next job for Deion Sanders. We'll tell you where it's going to be next. Don't move. Maggie and Pearl off CBS. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio. All right, welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. All right, Manny, is that, uh, is that a college football ranking reference here with the Texas song? I believe uh, we were about to speak about uh, the Colorado head coach and maybe oh. where he might be going one day. Oh, I see. Okay. Because I thought you were talking about the fact that Texas, Alabama, and Oregon are on a three-way collision course for the number four spot in the college rankings. We can go with that, too. Yes. (laughs) Although it's always a fun song to play. Which way do you want to go, Maggie? We're going to talk A&M coaching, or we want to talk about uh, college football ranking? Because the A&M coaching is is very interesting Well, let's hit it. The Daily Dion. Daily. Do you believe in that? Dion. You believe in that? lot with A&M opening up. Jimbo Fisher was shown the door on Sunday that Deion Sanders should be the number one candidate to take over this Texas A&M program if Sanders does want to leave Colorado. And I get it. They're paying a coach $75 million not to coach. Like, I'd be happy to go to A&M to get paid probably way more than what Jimbo Fisher got because Deion's such a commodity. And I know Dion's already rich and he had this long playing career, but name the rich person who doesn't want to get richer. I've never met this person before. Rich people want to get richer and richer. You have a fertile recruiting ground in Texas. You've got more money for NIL probably than any other school or close to it. Like there's a lot of reasons, namely money, to go to Texas A&M if you're no. Dion, And he's shown you can recruit and buy, well, recruit a team in one year that can go from a one-win team to a fringe bowl and contender, bowl contender. Imagine what he could do with the resources of A&M, Perloff. I think this would be a terrible idea. Why would you go to Texas A&M where all of a sudden you're caught in this recruiting war with all the Texas teams and you're in the SEC, which is a recipe for disaster? Lincoln Riley's done a lot of dumb things in USC, but he did one smart thing. What's that? He left the Big 12 when Oklahoma was headed to the SEC. He said, no thanks. Yeah. I'd rather be in the Big 12 where I'm guaranteed a playoff trip every year. Dion can recruit just as effectively at Colorado as he can at A&M. That's 
proven. He had the number one recruiting class. So he can build this little fiefdom and dominate the Big 12 and be guaranteed a postseason trip every year. I think he's got everything he needs in Colorado. To go to A&M would be a downgrade competitively. Okay, first of all, Dion is not going to think that he can't compete in the SEC. Like, since when has Deion Sanders ever lacked for conviction or confidence in himself or his ability? Well, he doesn't think he said, I don't want to coach in the NFL because I don't want to deal with those people. I think he's he's utilitarian. I don't think he's thinks he's some miracle worker. He came in this year and said, you better get us now because I know my team isn't good enough. No, but he's he didn't want to coach guys in the NFL because they're making, like, a hundred million dollars. No one in college is making that kind of money yet. Not even close. But I'm saying he understands. He didn't come into this Colorado and say, I'm going to win the title here. Right. He understands the situation. I think he's very situationally aware. And I think he, there's a reason. I think he thinks Colorado, I placed this program exactly where I want it. And this is really going to bring me to the college football playoff by next year, maybe. At A&M, no way. Okay. What's the one conference that generally, except for last year with TCU, gets screwed by the college football playoff committee. The Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore, so it's not going to be the Pac-12. It's going to be the Big 12. No, not really. Or maybe the ACC. The only two conferences that are almost assured to exist in the future are the SEC and the Big 10, the way things are positioned now. I'm not calling for the destruction of the Big 12. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's where things are trending. But Oklahoma made it every year. TCU made it last year. If you win the Big 12, you're guaranteed to get into the playoff. And I think they'll probably put two teams in. I think you're looking From at the 10. the Big 12, they're putting two teams in? When it goes to 12. When it goes uh, to 12. When it goes to 12. That's I think that, that he's in great shape. Honestly, I think there's a lot of L's on that schedule at Texas A&M. Even if you can't out-recruit the rest of the SEC, you're going to be up there. You're going to be right there with Alabama and Georgia. You can out-recruit the Big 12, and he's going to do that. And honestly, I think there's something kind of cool and hip about Boulder. Colorado's a crazy, fast-growing state. It's near L.A. He gets all the stars there. It's working. Why would he break that formula? Money <laughs> and he being in Texas. Care. He can make so much money in Colorado. Every time I turn on TV, Dion's doing some commercial anyway. It's, it's not just his personal bank account, although I do think that always matters to everyone, even if they say it doesn't. I think it's about the money to recruit. Like, I do think you can buy a national championship in the future. Doesn't and seem to be a problem in Colorado. No, not yet. But once you see what the other side could look like, maybe it turns your head a little bit. And no, by the way, Colorado, yeah, they're going to recruit Florida because Dion's from Florida and loves guys from Florida. But they already recruit Texas. Like, you already have to be in the waiting in those waters. Yeah, Everyone but has Colorado's to great Texas. at California, too. I, they, that's a great spot. And it's such a beautiful place. A&M is nice, but it's... Colorado, this little kingdom where he can do anything. A&M, why are you going to deal with Texas in your backyard? You don't need that. He's already going to be the king of the kingdom. <laughs> Every college football coach is the I king don't know. of the The kingdom. king of Texas will be Arch Manning next year. So I, I, I just think that this is an easier path to where he wants to go. 855 Do you believe that? 212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Uh, let's hit the phones. Nebby is in Pennsylvania, has a thought on... Uh, one coach who's coming under a lot of criticism, that's Sean McDermott. Another coach who's got a lifetime contract, that's Mike Tomlin. Hey, Nebby, how are you? Oh, not too bad. I'm glad you had Filipponi on. But yes, we disagree dude. on Canada. Canada's terrible. Yeah. And he's the reason for Kenny, Kenny Pickett's bad development. There was not, as, as well as the Steelers are running the ball, they did not run one play-action pass in that game. But what I really wanted to do was offer you, you Tomlin, head uh one on one for McDermott. Oh my gosh, take it, he, Sean McDermott. Wait, Nebby, Sean McDermott's not developing your quarterback. He's a defensive uh, guy too. 
Sean McDermott lo- loses games to opposing quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Uh, Mike Tomlin loses playoff games to Tim Tebow <laughs> and uh, and the oh. The guy from Jacksonville, Blake, Blake Bortles. Bortles. Yeah, it's all. I told you so, guys, the Tomlin stuff is all about losing to Tebow, losing to Bortles. Nebby, thank you so much. Good to talk with you. Don't Sean McDermott almost lost to Tyrod Taylor, by the way. Needed the refs to bail him out, and has lost to Zach Wilson in back-to-back years. The Bills can lose to anybody right yeah. now. So i i would I would gladly take Tomlin. Andrew Bogus is here with headlines. Oh, wait a minute. Did we get an update from your sister? Oh, my sister said. I said, aren't the chickens like pets? She says... Wait, hold on. We got to give people oh, some backstory here. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh famously once said he would never eat chicken because the chicken's a nervous animal. So in a long rant yesterday, Jim Harbaugh recanted on that, says he now has chickens and pets, and he's come to relate to them. Uh, so he now eats chicken. Which, and appreciate them. He said it's yeah. uh, like really high production and low maintenance on a chicken. So my sister has chickens that I thought were pets. Apparently not. Uh, <laughs> she, she's told me, oh, yeah, I kill the chickens all the time. I just break their neck. Ow. Yeah, it's Ow. not good. So you grab the chicken, and there's no other way to kill them, really. You're not going to take a knife and stab them in the oh heart. Gosh, that would that's... be terrible. So, Because <laughs> I... picking them up and snapping their neck is nicer? Yeah, I mean, what if you miss the heart and the chicken suffering? What that's if you slit good. their throat? Kosher yeah, slap. I guess you could do that. You could do that. Maybe it's the same thing. Uh, no, she, she said it's really easy. I, I actually, I would not do that <laughs> in a hundred million years. In a hundred million years. <laughs> you have to revel in it. I mean, that, <laughs> So she says that I do consistently kill them. They are not pets. Since we can only have four or five, we need to keep rotating to make sure we get the eggs. Because they're limited in space. So they can only have four. And I guess she needs the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> what, is she running an IHOP over there? Like, you need the no. eggs so badly. Yeah, I, I don't fresher, know. Obviously. I think once you have homegrown eggs in your backyard and you just get fresh eggs, you're addicted to them. And she can't go to the store. So she needs fresh eggs. I, what I can't get over is that we're learning a lot about Perloff's sister, uh, who lives in kind of <sighs> rural Massachusetts and has... Chickens, but <laughs> she lives in Framingham, in Framingham Massachusetts, the, the which Boston is so suburb. not rural. But it's not even really a suburb. But okay, uh, sure. So I think that never think, go there. I think one of the <laughs> Katie Nolan's from there. I think one of the things about um, about this that I find almost like most troubling is not that she's breaking their necks; it's that she's breaking their necks and not eating them after. Like that's supposed to be the cycle of life, right? Like oh, we're going to appreciate the eggs and then we do have to slaughter them. At least we're going to eat them like the Native Americans would have, you know, like using every part of the bird. I also don't understand why there's just not a place to give your unwanted chickens to. Yeah. Right. Chicken rehab. I have an issue that's related to this. I'm curious what you guys think. There was recently a big Wall Street Journal article about this. I have a tortoise, Hermes. Everyone knows about Hermes. Yeah. He's going to live to 120 years old. How old is he now? He is three. Oh. <laughs> no, maybe Herbie's he, is going to see a lot. <laughs> he might be five, so people have to write their tortoises into their will. So what am I supposed I to? And give honestly, it to your when, sister. when my kids, when my kids break leave, his neck and throw I do not want to take care of this tortoise my entire life. Should I give him to a shelter, or what do I do with it with Hermes? I bet there's a lot of people like are these shelters like oh my gosh another no, tortoise. I would think that's a problem because tortoises outlive their owners all the time. Uh, and also, they're they're a lot of work. You don't think they're a lot of work? They're a ton of work. I basically shop more for the tortoise more than my kids <laughs> because they're very finicky eaters. They have to get the right amount of ultraviolet light. The temperature has to be right. They have to have the appropriate room. I thought it's just a, <laughs> it's a tortoise. You sit there. 
they're a huge pain in the butt. So I'm stuck. Like they're going to outlive my children. This I mean, tortoise is. I think that you should probably put it in your will or whatever yeah. that you want someone to go set it free. Then you don't have to burden somebody else with it. So this animal that has lived in a climate-controlled tank, I'm going to set it free on the streets of Brooklyn? <laughs> no How one. long do you think it'll last? In a pond or something. It's you a desert find, you tortoise. Find, you know, Michelangelo and Raphael and Leonardo and <laughs> oh, yeah. all the, the Ninja Turtles. They, they survived in New York. <laughs> you just have to get some mutant ooze. <laughs> That's a very cool point. You go down yeah. the subway, you will find some weird drippings. <laughs> yeah. I think... Very I think you actually had the right idea. Give it to my sister, but it's not easy to kill a tortoise. That's the other problem. <laughs> She'll figure it out. Trust me, I fantasize, I fantasize a lot about this. What, how are you going to kill it? You have to drown it, right? Oh my drown God. a tortoise? A to Isn't it under, it's it amphibious. What's that? It breathes underwater. No, not this. No, no, no. This is a, this is a land tortoise. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> no, I don't think any tortoise. Foiled again. Turtles don't breathe underwater. They have to come up to breathe, right? See, oh, sea turtles, I guess. But yeah. this kind of turtle definitely has to breathe. He's never been underwater. Google, how do I kill a turtle? So I was thinking, I live on the eighth floor. If I dropped him out the window, would the shell crack and he'd die? Because I can't. What the worst wrong with your family? Don't because do the worst torture would be to put him out on the streets. That would I be disagree. awful. How about Central Park? There's parks in New York City. I know he people think die, it's just asphalt. He would die a terrible death in Central and Park. And dropping him from a building? Is <laughs> <not> <laughs> yes, <terrible laughs> yes, that's much better. He'd die like that. You don't know that. Maybe. No, he would have zero point. He would, he, how would he eat in Central Park? He, but he'd be scared before. He'd probably be scared when you're putting him out the window and say, all right, goodbye. Like, you want to put him through that no, torture? Don't do that. Put you him let in him die pond. over the course of two months in a foreign environment over Central Park. It would be terrible. Pro also, tourists are going to feed him like hot dog bits and stuff. He'll can't be eat fine. hot dogs. He can only eat a very narrow range of vegetation. <laughs> Perloff, you, you're going to cross this bridge in about 125 years anyway, so why are we worrying the, about it now? Yeah. <laughs> this is, Manny, are you saying this is a tomorrow problem? I think so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Their lives become endangered when it dips below 75 degrees, so I'm going to put them out in Central Park for the winter. Okay, well, when's the next time you're traveling to a more temperate climate? Bring San Antonio. Them. Oh, right. When you drive to San Antonio, take them and drop them off, Bogish. See? Yeah. Now that's using your noggin. So you think it, it never just out of curiosity, never dips under seventy five degrees in San Antonio, and when he's all of a sudden going to learn how to feed himself after years and years of yeah. captivity. He's Maybe. still a wild turtle; doesn't look like it, but he's ready for the outdoors. Maybe Wembenyama will adopt him. You when can't let animals Yama? out. You can't let domestic animals out into nature. That is torture because they have no prayer. Trust me, my sister's right. You got to kill him on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> that is the humane so way better. to do it. Trust my murderous sister. It's by sister. far the humane Snapping way to do it. Snapping is always better. You want to let her just let a chicken wander the streets of Framingham trying to find kernels of corn somewhere? How He's many in? missing husbands does your, does your sister have? <laughs> you know, Danny didn't really want to live. It's my, been two years. My brother-in-law is very nice to my sister. Now yeah, I know why. Smart. <laughs> I know. Let's not center this conversation. I don't want her coming after us. Uh, Bogus is here with the headlines. Good morning, folks. Uh, the Buffalo Bills almost survived the Broncos ah. on Monday Night Football. A 41-yard field goal from Will Lutz missed wide right in the final seconds, but there were 12 Bills on the field. For the win, Lutz kicks it on the way, and it is good! The Broncos can celebrate... Because they have come to Buffalo and upset the Bills 
by a final score of 24 to 22. On a side note, if it's going to get us breakfast, everyone go to Buffalo and win. Uh, that was Dan sure. Logan on Broncos Radio. You're not, welcome, everybody. Not, not only did Denver get a second chance at that winning field goal, but they weren't in field goal range until Buffalo's Taron Johnson was called for P.I. with 29 seconds left. The 24-22 final means Sean Payton's team is 4-2 and two since that 50-point embarrassment from the Dolphins. you got to demand it of each other at practice during the week. You know, you win during the week, and, and I felt like we've been practicing during the week better, a lot better. And uh, if you do that, you demand that of each other, then Sunday's become a little bit um, less chaotic. On top of the late flags, the Bills gave the ball away four times in losing for the fourth time in six outings. Josh Allen picked off twice, charged with a fumble after botching a handoff last night. Allen's offense has now gone six games without scoring more than 25 points. Oof. Bill Belichick asked this morning if Mac Jones was still the Patriots' starting QB. His answer, quote, we have a lot of things to work on this week as a team. We'll work through those. That is what we are going to do this week. Jones, of course, bench for the final drive of Sunday's loss to is the Colts. Is Belichick still the coach? Germany and Belichick <laughs> said yesterday he didn't make that switch just because Jones had just thrown an ugly pick. Sure. Uh, college football, you guys connecting Dion to Texas A&M. Others have connected Oregon's Dan Lanning to the Aggies, and he said no way yesterday. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one. Uh, everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. Um, I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish uh, here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite um, here at Oregon. You can't Listen, say 0%. I, yeah, I, you know, my ducks have jumped on their bandwagon Correct. this year because I went to a school that didn't have football, but you really can't lay it on that thick no. because at some point you you probably are going to leave. It might not be now, and it might not be for that job. But this, these type of sound bites always come back to haunt every coach. I yeah. don't know why they do it. And it was 90 seconds of how dare you, everything I want is here, yeah. my kids love it here, I'm never going to leave, we've got to do this. It's a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, until Alabama comes calling. Like, yeah. I, I hate I mean, to say you know, it, but. You, know, you want to know who also said that? Mario Cristobal. Yeah. yeah. Who else said that? All the other coaches before. I'm sure Chip Oregon. Kelly said it. Like, I'm sure yeah. they all said it. Well. I, I think Oregon is – I don't think there are a lot of jobs that are better than Oregon. I don't it's think, a great job. I don't think A&M is. I think there's only a handful of jobs But EJ's not wrong. Three of their last four yeah. coaches have voluntarily left for other jobs. Yes. But since Chip Kelly, they've they've been a bit of a mess hiring coaches. I, would you take a – you guys would take A&M over Oregon? I feel like Oregon's a way better job. Well, the thing with Dan Lanning was he has no Oregon connection. When he yeah. left Georgia, I was like, why are you going to Oregon? So for him to come back east or south, I guess in theory makes some sense. Right, but A&M right now is, is on a bit of a downer. I don't know why people don't stay at Oregon much longer. It just feels like, to me, they don't have the expectations that a Texas A&M would. And mm. given the Nike influence and money, I feel like you can always win 9 to 10 games there and never get fired. But people look at that job as a stepping stone job, and they go to a place with real expectations and not the Nike influence, and you become Mario Cristobal or so, the coach before at Florida State. You know, uh Phil Knight's 85. Mm. Does anything change? I have no idea. Does anything change with the relationship between the university and Nike when he passes away? Yeah. Is there, I don't, are there Knight kids? Is there a a son or a daughter that's primed to take over or already is kind of running things? I never, I only know Phil Knight. That's it. Mm. Oh, like there's no, who's the heir apparent? Right. Who's, where's the succession? We knew there was Mark Davis. (laughs) We know there's Stephen Jones. Like who's on, who's after him? 
Yeah, right. Jonathan Kraft. Right. right Which right. I think is part of the problem with the Blazers is that there was and the there was nobody after Paul Allen right. that wanted to be in. You know, technically, Phil Knight does not own Oregon football. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. What do you? But who's going to run Nike and? Give oh. money or, you know, there's always somebody, right? Michael yeah, Jordan. I mean, well, his son, his son <laughs> Travis Knight is, is like a... Was a good basketball player. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> he, he apparently works in the, like, the entertainment industry. Like, he directed films. Like, he's in movies. Oh, that sounds like he just gets in because his dad's Phil Knight. I mean, probably. But he did directed Bumblebee. That was pretty good, by the way. By, um, but, like, I mean, he doesn't sound like a guy that's going to then take on the mantle of protecting Oregon football in the future, I guess. Yeah, right. Can the point we, uh, is you're saying he's not, like, in football operations. Right. Or yeah, even yeah. in Nike operations. Yeah. Yeah. He's the a- director. A&M is going. That. They're going as low-key as possible with this hire. Can we all agree after this Jimbo thing, they're going the opposite? I don't think they're, Disagree. I, I don't think they're capable of that. Uh, I'll bet you right now it's the Jeff Trailer or Mike Elko gets a job. because no, they're going to get somebody. They're, they're going to get somebody somebody. no one knows to lower that bar because I think they're embarrassed by Jimbo. Mm, I don't think people that rich get embarrassed. I think they just continue uh, time to spend about, okay. and if, they blame it on other if people. If one of those two, let's make a show bet because I'm so confident they're going to go Uh-oh. low key I want, na- I want names. Who who do I get? You like can have Elko, Dion. Is, is he... That's one guy. Yeah, I'll give you Dion and Urban Meyer. Mm, I want, Urban's got baggage. I also want a Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, you definitely. You can have Dabo. I'll definitely give you Dabo. And I want Ken DeBoer. And who? Ken DeBoer. Uh, I'm not giving you him. You get five names. I get two names. He's low key, though. I gave you two names. He could be in the college football playoff this year. Right. Wait, wait, wait. But I only took two names. You only get two no, names. No, you said that. Wait, what do you mean? You said uh, someone bet. low key, but like low key could be any. That's like that's like 100 coaches. No, no. I'd say specifically it's going to oh, be okay. Jeff Trailer or Mike Elko is going to get that job. I will take that against your two names. Um, We can work on it later. Okay. Bogus? Yes. Uh, I can be done if you oh, guys want. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this has been riveting. 855-212-4CBS. We'll work out that bet. 855-212-4227. So much more to do, including what really has me irked over everything else from the Bills' loss yesterday. The one thing that stands out above the rest. We'll do that next. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back. Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff. Been a tough one this morning for your girl. Why is that? <laughs> Glad you asked, Manny. Because the team I've been rooting for since I was a child at 12 men on the field last night as the Denver Broncos, an inferior team, came into Buffalo and won that game. Is that illegal? I care. Oh, right. There's 11. <laughs> yes. That's a violation. Is that a new rule? Is that a post-COVID rule? I wish it was new. <laughs> this is the part of it. That bothers me above all else. We've talked about the turnovers, Perloff. We've talked about coaching, and as this coaching staff hit the ceiling, we've talked about the injuries on defense. We've talked about the Josh Allen turnovers, obviously. We've talked about whether Josh Allen is elite or not. Uh, we've covered every aspect of this sign, uh, this um, horrible season. So let's say sign stealing. That's the one thing they haven't done, I don't think. The one thing that bothers me above all else is the fact that the rest of the world gets to crap on the bills now. And I I loathe that because no. because yes, and it's already happening and it will continue to happen. And it bothers me because I was fine 
with everyone crapping on the Bills when they were honestly bad. Five-win seasons, four-win seasons, revolving door of coaches, revolving door of quarterbacks. You deserve to get called out. You just really become irrelevant more than actually in the crosshairs. But now because they've shown that they have talent, they should be more talented and should be better at execution and all that stuff, the expectations are so high, they've let people down, and now they're going to be the laughingstock again or get crapped on again. And that part bothers me. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that the Bills will be... You know how Dak Prescott and the Cowboys get overanalyzed? If Dak throws an interception, it's the end of the world. I'm not sure the Bills get that kind of attention. I, I'm curious. I don't think they're going to be a laughingstock. They're not going to be bad. But, and they are disappointing. But at the end of the year, I don't think they're going to be... I think people find the Chargers dis- like more disappointing. I don't know. On the, the litany of, yes, McDermott might get fired. But I don't feel like they're the... For some reason... And maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Like they're right. not like the biggest disappointment of 2023. What's really the difference between the Bills and the Chargers? The Creative Bills, ways the, to lose, yeah. never winning, more, play- more playoff success, more playoff success. Okay, they've yeah, and also game. they've been deep. Yeah, in the 90s, I do AFC think also, cha- sorry, AFC Championship right. game 2018. Uh, they've had seven, a lot seven. of excuses too. Where the the Chargers have brought this on themselves. The Bills had tragedy after tragedy last year. They ran into Patrick Mahomes at the wrong time. I think you can squint and see some excuses. Let's get to our shot of the day. He shoots! The shot of the day is brought to you by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos Tequila is brought to you by those who drink it. Going to need a lot of Casamigos to get through this week, um, which we love. Today we talked about Perloff's sister actually owns chickens just like Jim Harbaugh. My sister has chickens up in Framingham, Massachusetts. They're, They're real pets. Then, they, then she has to break their neck and kill them. Oh, my gosh. It's that's crazy. Awful. You know, if you own what? chickens, you have to be able to. That's the only way really to kill them is to break their neck. Why does she have to do it? Just I don't remember why. Because I don't know if she eats them or what, what the deal is. But they, they have eggs. It's awesome. She has this huge chicken coop. Wait, this is your sister? My sister, yeah. She's a big animal lover. And she has <laughs> four chickens. It doesn't sound like it. I think it. We learn, we're learning a lot about the Perloffs right now. <laughs> also, uh, if she's such a big animal lover, why is she killing it? Why don't she just keep them as pets forever? Because that's not what you do with chicken. Uh, oh, also, because chickens get sick. You have to be really careful. The second a chicken coughs, you got to break its neck. <laughs> yeah, there's no room for pity with chickens. Otherwise, <laughs> all the chickens will be dead three days later. Still doesn't sound right. A chicken coughs, you break its neck. It just feels a little extreme. Yeah, it sounds like things I'd hear from, like, you know, Bane from Batman. <laughs> right. Or- you guys ever heard Jim of Harbaugh. Magneto? You guys ever heard of somebody who grew up with a cow? I know Buster Olney, the baseball writer, famously grew up with a cow, and then they had to slaughter the cow, and it ruined his childhood. That, uh, <laughs> I can see why. See, my sister is just she has no illusions that this is not a pet. This is an animal that creates eggs, then I kill it. And that's what we learned today. Thank you, DJ Stewart. Thank you to Manny Rodriguez. Thank you to Andrew Kaplan, Andrew Bogish. Weedos and the coffee drinkers, thank you for your support today. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.